You're listening to Trade Secrets with Oliver and Denise. If you work for Microsoft, you can't share operational secrets with someone from Apple. Yeah, that's true. But in relationships, though, it's a little different. We should share the good, the bad, all of those types of things that help our relationships to grow. Yeah, you're right about that. And I feel like the information shared in these conversations will do just that. So let's dive into today's episode. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Um, you can say what you normally I'm say. Telling you, I'm telling you, I'm excited about this saying. This one I'm this... excited about. Okay. All right. That's good. Sure. That's good. That's good. So I you um, can say it. For those of you who are listening, and if you follow and you've been listening to the episodes, you know that typically in the beginning of these, I have the same kind of phrase. And it's been true every time, every right? Every single so time. So what I say all the time is we have some great guests mm-hmm. because it's true. It is very true. So, and, and this episode is no different. This episode is no different. Who do we have? Today, we have Derek and Danella Knight of Restoration Psychotherapy and Consultation. Did I say that right? Yes, yes you did. You got it. Okay. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much. Um, well, I just want to say, it, you said Derek and Danella, right? But yes. We, can we call you D? Yes, absolutely. All right. Okay. So, so and, and you'll see that. It, and when you go into show notes and they talk about how to connect with them later, you'll see why I asked that. Um, but thank you so much for taking out the time. We are excited about what you guys have to share. And, and we're just going to jump right in, right? Yeah. We're going to jump right in. And because we are just suckers for a good story, mm-hmm. right? We're going to start okay. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Derek and Dee, how did you meet? How did this dynamic <laughs> duo come to be? Oh, man. Well, we actually went to high school together. So I've known, uh, I've known Danella. I call her, it's funny, we joke about this, or I do, because Everyone calls her D, but I don't call her that. So <laughs> I call I call her that. It feels weird saying D, but so fun. I met I knew Danella in high school, and um, I think I was two grades above her. And actually, I remember I was in the hallway one day, and you know we were changing classes, and it's almost like when Ro- when Moses parted the Red Sea. <laughs> The wow. students parted, and Danella was at the end of the hallway, and she had this this aura about her. And uh, she was she was kind of looking at me, and at that moment, I kind of knew that um, she, you know she wanted to holler at me. But um, <laughs> okay, that's it's a little embellished. But no, we did meet in high school, and actually, we we kind of knew each other, but not really. My wife has a very unique laugh, and um, and so I always knew her by the girl with the kind of weird laugh and so we knew each other we weren't really friends until maybe after we both graduated from Oakwood Academy we ran into each other at church one day and I needed a seat and I remember I was at Oakwood uh, University Church which is a pretty big church and I was on the balcony I was upstairs I was looking for a seat and I was looking around and I saw her and I kind of got her attention and asked if I could sit beside her and she's like, sure, come on. So I sat beside her and we kind of just caught up like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. And we kind of talked a little bit. And, you know, if you know my wife, she's a talker. She <laughs> loves to talk. She's very mm-hmm. funny. So unfortunately, I have no idea what the sermon was that day okay. because we okay. talked the entire time. And uh, then she's like, hey, you know, she gave me uh, I think she gave me her phone number. Yeah, I think I got your pager number. Yeah, that's how, <laughs> how long, long, that's how long yeah. ago it was. I didn't even have a cell phone. I had a pager, <laughs> and she got my pager number. And from the and she was going to the University of Alabama in Huntsville at that time, and I was going to Oakwood, so we didn't go to the same school. But she invited me up to to UAH to kind of uh, hang out, and then it kind of just blossomed yeah, from there, right? It's history. Oh, wow, good <laughs> stuff. Great. High school, so that's 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 a good stretch, man. It is. God, it is. Thank God for longevity, man. Yeah, that's good. man. That's a, yes. That's good. I've known her a lot. It, it's funny. I think Danella says sometimes that I have, she's been with me. More than half of my life. More than now. half of her life because yeah. we've been married wow. 18 years and I knew her wow. from high school. And so, yeah, we've been together a, a good while. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to jump forward, right? Yeah. And then we're going to come all the way back. Okay. So, if you had to, 
if you had to pull out one thing, and there's definitely not one thing, mm-hmm. but if you had to pull out one thing that you could put under the umbrella of what is the secret to longevity, what would you mm-hmm. say that is? Mm-hmm. Wow. I think, like you said, there's a lot of things. I know, so I know for us, just from my perspective, and, and Danella might say something different. I know for me, one of the things I think has kept us going is we really, really have fun together. Mm-hmm. And I know that doesn't sound as deep as some of the other answers that people might give. But one of the things that, that for Danella and I, even when we've had tough times in our marriage, like everybody does, we have always been able to have fun. We've always been friends um, we can Excuse always me. kind of, yeah. uh, even when things are hard, we could laugh, find things to laugh about. And honestly, I think that's one of the things that keeps us uh, connected, no matter what's going on, um, is for me, one of the primary things is that we have a lot of fun together. Absolutely. And so um, we actually recently did an art piece. It was part of a marriage conference that we hosted, but because we were hosting, we often don't get to do the art project (laughs) with the rest of the couples. Mm -hmm. And so the person who was hosting the art portion gave us the materials. And so when we went out of town to someone else's wedding, we just spent some time in the hotel room doing our art piece together. And it's where it was so, it was such a blessed time. And so we each got to put like attributes or things about each other that we love about each other but we did it privately so he didn't see what I was writing I didn't see what he was writing until we revealed it to each other and the two that we had in common were friendship and forgiveness and I think that that is so foundational to our relationship our Mm -hmm. friendship with each other and forgiving one another and one thing he said he said even in tough times Mm -hmm. um which is so true so um uh, a couple that we know, Michael and Erica Awani, they were hosting a 30 dates and 30 nights thing. And so we had to post a picture of our date night thing um, by midnight each night. And there were two of the nights, two different times um, during the <laughs> little 30 days that we were at odds with each other. We were not pleased <laughs> with each other and we did not want to do this little 30 minute date. And so it would get to like 1129 and it was just like, okay, just what are we going to do? <laughs> but we were committed to doing it. And so it was so much better than just calling it off and being like, you know, I'm, at, I'm, I'm just not doing the date night thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we pressed through it because we knew we were committed to doing it. And so it's like we brought the fun back into our relationship. So sometimes you just have to get out there and do it, even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't feel like you're feeling this person right now, get in there and do what you've committed to doing. Because you have to be intentional. Yeah, to be intentional. And so even when you're at odds with each Mm -hmm. other, you kind of have to look past that and be like, okay, yes, we're at odds, but you know, this is for the relationship. Yes, we got to do what we got to do for the relationship. For sure. Mm -hmm. And and you mentioned friendship, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think people realize how important that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are so many of, of, of us that have gotten into serious relationships, putting the cart before the horse, so to speak, Mm -hmm. right? So the relationship was birthed out of um, physical or Mm -hmm. was birthed out of circumstance or or it was birthed out of something other than friendship. And for those of you who are listening, that is a key ingredient to a healthy relationship is that you have Mm -hmm. to actually like to be around each other, right? There has to be some level of commonality. There has to be some foundational set of principles and common Mm -hmm. goals Mm -hmm. outside of the lovey-dovey sexual. That's right. The flowery stuff. Right. That part of the situation. So I I love that you brought that up because that is is key. So let's go back. Right. I, I heard you say that. So it made me jump forward. Let's let's go back. So you guys have met. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how long uh, after high school did you actually end up getting married? Um, I was 21. So probably about three years after high school. Mm-hmm. That sounds about I mean, funny. we didn't we weren't really dating in high school. We were yeah. dating in college. We dated in I was college. like 19 when we started dating. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. And, so. and we, I will say too, I mean, we had, we had a child before we got married. Okay. And so um, like our son was almost two. Okay. I think he turned two the summer we got married. And okay. so, um, okay. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we got married. We were pretty young. 
You okay. were young. Yeah. Awesome. And so I just, I love that, that you guys were pretty young to all of you guys that are listening. If you're pretty young and you know, you, I would suggest, of course, premarital counseling, oh, but yes. mm-hmm. don't let the age, you know, That's deter right. you as long as you feel like, you know, God is calling you to this person and, you know, you've done the premarital counseling and, yes. and the therapy and you are good within yourself and you're whole mm-hmm. and complete within mm-hmm. yourself, completed by God. Do not mm-hmm. let the age deter you. For sure. Yes, definitely. And, and I will even as you say that as far as as long as you are whole, um, that just kind of hits on something for me because um it's been a it's been a discussion uh that I've had recently with people is that yes, we're not looking for marriage to make us whole. Absolutely. Um, but the reality is we often find that wholeness and that peace and that stability that we're often seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, we find that oftentimes in relationships. So I'm not saying mm-hmm. go seek a relationship so that you can feel whole now, but yeah. um the reality is we should be open to allowing God to heal us through relationships as well because I know that I've experienced that through this marriage that's good that's true because I did as well yeah Yeah, that's true that's a good point because we kind of you you do hear people kind of shy away from the whole this situation made me whole Mm -hmm. right because Mm -hmm. they're like you're supposed to be know yourself and be whole and be complete before don't let somebody complete you kind of thing but yeah. that is mm-hmm. that's a good that's point. a good point a because good you you do talk about that right yeah. you talk mm-hmm. about the fact that there's some things that God showed you through this process and yeah. there's some yeah. things you learned through this process and mm-hmm. there's some healing um just like you said D that mm-hmm. came out of this process so that is that is something to think about yeah. um as it relates to how we are as human beings and how right. God uses certain situations and scenarios like marriage. Oh, yes. for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yes. To definitely. do his complete work in us. Oh, yes. Wow. Well, oh, definitely. Yeah. And I'll say one thing, too, is that when we talk about how we grow in a marriage relationship, I think it's one of the most, it's the most probably intimate relationship we're going to have on this earth. Mm-hmm. And like the forgiveness that I have experienced in this marriage that my wife has extended to me when I've messed up and I've done things to hurt her. I've never experienced that outside of marriage, not mm-hmm. from my mother, mm-hmm. not from my friends, my my family. And so I think that God uses marriage in a very special way to show you what true forgiveness looks like, to show you what real love looks like. And so I think we got to be open to that. Uh, And that grows the longer that we're married. So I definitely think that there can be a lot of healing that happens through marriage specifically that you won't experience anywhere else. That's Mm. very good. Love it. I love it. I love it. So, all right, because I love a story, I really could stay here and I'll always have to be, always have to really be intentional about moving myself <laughs> through this conversation because right. I really could stay there. But, and I'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit and talk about how do, how do I even bring this in? Because you guys um, are counselors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you do um, neuropsychology and psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. So before you educate people like myself on what those two things are, what led you in that direction? Was that just something that you you guys went to school for and you knew that that was going to be the career or did, was there a different path to that? Well, I know for me, how I fa- how I got into it was kind of like, you know, I was at Oakwood University and I always... I always did like to understand the why behind people's behavior, mm-hmm. which was a big deal for me. Uh, but when I started school, I started out as a biology major because I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, but I remember sitting in a biology lab with maybe two or 300 students in an auditorium. And I remember sitting there like, I have no idea what this man is talking about. And <laughs> I said, you know what? As a freshman in school, I said, you know what? I have psychology. I love it. It, It's the one class I have that I'm very passionate about. So I kind of just changed my major to psychology um, Mm -hmm. because it was probably one of the easier, I'll be honest, one of the easier classes I had and I really liked it. But as I I learned more and I I saw how it practically applied to relationships, Mm -hmm. my relationships, uh, then I was like, oh no, I love this stuff. I mean, it's, it's just... It, uh, it really just touched me in a way that other majors didn't. So I found it early on as a freshman in, in school. Um, and so I just stuck with it ever since. That's great. 
Yeah. Crying on that <laughs> and I mean, it's just interesting that we both ended up. Because <laughs> you didn't start off as a psychologist. No, I started off as a nursing major. Yeah. And at the time, this show called ER was kind mm-hmm. of big. And I was just like, oh, I can see someone asking me, like, nurse, give 300 cc's. And I'll be like, wait, <laughs> what cc's? Milliliters? What? <laughs> I was like, I don't want to kill anyone. So um, maybe I should look for something else that I like. And I was like, I like poetry. So why not be an English major? And then I was just like, okay, I can only take so much of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Um, (laughs) What else am I doing? Um, and, And at the time, so sometimes I tell people, don't do what I did. But then I'm also like, but also do what I did, right? Which is I figured out what are the things that I like? What are the things that come kind of easy? So I kind of thought to myself, uh, what is a class that I'm probably not putting forth that much effort, but I'm still doing a good job. (laughs) And it was psychology. And then when I finished my bachelor's, I was like, okay, I can't really do much with this. I guess I need to get my master's. And probably like my second semester in, I was like, I love this stuff. Mm. Like my brain was just popping. And I was like, I need, I have to get my doctorate in this. And so that's what I did. I uh, pursued my doctorate in neuropsychology because I was so interested in assessments. And so that's what I spend a large time of uh, part of my time doing at this point is assessment. So assessing for various psychological disorders, um, brain behavior, relationship stuff. That's what neuropsychology really is. It's looking at the brain and how we interact in relationships, how we interact, um, you know, just in our everyday lives. What is the brain doing to control our behaviors and help with our behaviors? I love that. That sounds This is why I was so excited to talk to you guys, because I'm always fascinated of the brain and why uh-huh. people do what they do because of yeah. the, their thoughts and, you know, just mm-hmm. the whole effect it has on their, their mm-hmm. body and just oh, yeah. everything to do with that. And I was just like, I cannot wait to talk <laughs> to you. Awesome. So, awesome. I would imagine too, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little in a little bit, but I'm just going to say it now. I would imagine that that kind of gives you, I hate to use the word edge, but that's the only word I could think of. When you would sit down, say, with a couple like us, mm-hmm. because you have that knowledge, right? You can probably pinpoint some things very quickly mm-hmm. just based on observation and assessment, whatever assessments you, you give. I think that's really interesting because we always tell people that if you need help, get help. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we use this very frivolous analogy, but it works. And it's, you know, if I, if I can't, if I'm, if we're having an issue with the plumbing in the kitchen and I've done everything that I can do to, to fix that. And there's still water dripping on the floor. Mm-hmm. I have some choices that I need to make at that, at that point. I can either continue to let this thing just flood the house and cause more issues, or I can bring somebody in who can assess it, look at it, be like, this is what needs to be done. And I know how to do it. I'll help you do it. Right. And for you to be able to, you know, understand the relationship between how the brain works and the decisions that we make and the actions that we um, display is phenomenal because they're individuals who, they've gotten to a place in, in their relationship where they just don't know what else to do. Right. Yeah. The proverbial water is still dripping on the floor. Right. Right. And so it's important to have individuals like yourself that are available mm-hmm. to come in, assess, diagnose, and begin to put a, a plan in place that allows mm-hmm. them, allows them to heal. So I love it. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. So neuropsychology, right? What is the difference between that and psychotherapy? So neuropsychology, again, is like the brain behavior relationships. Um, And so I practice clinical neuropsychology. So that just means in clinical practice, I use those neuropsychological principles. I use the research that I've, um, you know, done, the research that uh, other people have done to actually apply it in a clinical setting. Psychotherapy is just in general, any type of, usually people call it counseling, but it's a little deeper than just like giving counseling to people, like giving advice. Um, And oftentimes people come to us for advice and it's like, uh, they, they might get a little tripped up when we're like, okay, we're not here to give you advice. We're here to help you um, as far as the psychological aspects of how you have been dealing with your own life, right? And so uh, for like for myself, I do conduct psychotherapy, but I still use those neuropsychological principles. And I think that, um, you know, as you talk about like being able to pinpoint, okay, like what it is, 
going on in someone's brain. I think a lot of it is experience, to mm-hmm. be honest. So my husband has a lot of experience with couples, and I think it's very easy for him to see certain patterns, right? Mm-hmm. So that like when we do conferences e- even, and people ask questions, we can answer questions on the fly because as we start listening to your story, we're seeing the pattern. Even if you don't know that the pattern you're you know reenacting is the same one that your parents did or the same mm-hmm. one that That's your true. parents, the same story your parents told you, you're telling yourself in your marriage, mm-hmm. right? Um, And so a combination of that, and honestly, when I have someone sitting in front of me, they might be talking to me, but part of my brain is saying, Lord, give me wisdom in this Mm. moment. It's not simply that I've been learned in this area. It's not that I've, you know, got experience in this area. It's what does this person need at this moment for the healing that needs to take place in their lives or in their relationship? That's good. That's awesome. That is good. So... With the couples that you you come across that come to you for counseling or for therapy and that you come across in your um, events and mm-hmm. your conferences that you do, when you when they come to you with their questions or the concerns or whatever it is that's going on with them, after stripping away all of the layers of what it is they're talking about or what it is they say to you, is there something in particular that is common at the core? that you see that is the issue? Is there something underlying that's a core issue that seems to be within most couples? Yeah, it's, you know, I, and, you know, we both are are honored to work with couples. Um, I do a lot of couples counseling, premarital and marital. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I know I see for sure in almost every couple I work with, because every couple that's coming to counseling first off, has probably experienced some hurts in their relationship. They're usually Mm -hmm. there because they need to heal from something, right? Right. Um, Even ones that come just for a tune-up, so to speak, where Mm -hmm. they might not be in a season of disconnection, uh, but they're still there to improve on some issues in the relationship. And I tell my couples, first off, you're going to be working on your relationship until the day you die or God comes. Yeah. I mean, some, yeah. you're going to keep working at it no matter how great Very you true. get along. Yeah. But in general, the layer, what I see is difficulty moving past hurts that have happened wow. either in the relationship or even prior. And so when I mean in the relationship, I mean hurts that have been caused by your spouse. So we love each other, right? But I, what I see in couples is that no matter how much you love a person, I say this all the time, love doesn't keep you married. Right. Love is great. Right. Mm -hmm. But what keeps you married is good habits. And so one of the things Mm -hmm. that I see with my couples is that when they start, whether it is uh, early in their marriage, there's things that happen. You know, you might hurt your spouse unintentionally by your words. You might not be as sensitive to their emotional needs as you should be. And so couples that hold on to that and cannot forgive that person, cannot move past the fact that they should know what I like to eat. They should know what I like, how I like to feel. If they can't move past that, it's very, very difficult for them to restore and heal their relationship. So the biggest thing I tell my couples is we got to talk about forgiveness and what that actually looks like. And forgiveness is twin grace, right? So those are the two. And this is, I'm talking about believers and unbelievers. It doesn't matter. Like if you cannot get past the things your spouse has done unintentionally or intentionally, it's going to be really difficult for you to walk with them and to grow with them. Mm. And then for me, I spent a lot of time, you know, we don't want to just stay in the past, but, oh, they did this, they did this. But usually the reason, I mean, for example, I see a couple, uh, I saw a couple recently that came in saying how much they love each other. They care about each other because I always have couples tell me, what are your strengths? Before we get into all the problems, they can't wait to talk about the problems. Right, Let's right. talk about the strengths. What do you guys do well? Yeah. And they'll mm. say, a lot of times they say, we love each other. We parent well. Some couples have a lot of good, a good foundation. So I said, then why, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is something that the other person did to them that they just can't get over or mm-hmm. that they are just, they don't see the change in their spouse that they want to see. And so the first thing we talk about, let's talk about forgiveness. Let's talk about grace. So for me, in my experience, that's the biggest thing that I see that I spend a lot of time working on. And I always tell them that's the foundation. Once we layer your relationship and set that foundation of forgiveness and grace, now we can do all the other activities we do in couples counseling of communication Mm -hmm. and intimacy and working on your sex life. And that stuff is all really good. Mm -hmm. But unless you can have forgiveness and grace, you're not going to want to do that stuff. Right. And so I start at the very core for most of my uh, of the couples I see is found is forgiveness. That's great. very true, man. That's good good stuff. And you said something. Well, you said a a few things that kind of (laughs) resonated with me, but. 
um, one thing that really like hit me, you know, she said, what keeps marriages is good habits. Good habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. is, um, that's gold. Yeah, that's good. Because I feel like there's, there, there are a lot of us that don't really think about, about that. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't think about the work quote unquote, if you will, that goes into uh, keeping a relationship together. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So we, we look at emotions mm-hmm. and we look at how those emotions um, allow us to interact with each other. And when those emotions are kind of skewed, mm-hmm. then we look at the relationship, you know, we give the relationship a side eye, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 But what you're saying is that it's not, always about love, although that is important. Right. But it is about good habits. Yeah. That's right. And that is that is key. So for those of you that are listening, that that those that stuck out in my mind. The other thing is that you will be doing this, you will be doing this work, you will be constantly learning, you will be constantly growing. And it is a ongoing process throughout the the life of your relationship. Right. Absolutely. There's there's not a point where you just you're there and yeah. you've made it. Right. And one thing I'll say real quick, and I know I don't also say something is, and I want to encourage, you know, for your listeners, whoever, that the couples that are, are new to marriage, probably within their first five years, this is where they're forming the habits of learning how to love each other. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're in the first few years of your marriage, this is where the habits are forming. And it's different habits you have than when you're a single person, even than when you're dating. Mm-hmm. And so the marriage habits you are forming in the first few years. I want to encourage couples. You're learning. And so you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have some hurts. You're going to, you're going to assume some things that your spouse should know that they don't because you're not telling them. Right. If you can just push past those years and really stick together, get the counseling you need. Hopefully they did premarital counseling. Those good habits will form. Unfortunately, a lot of couples give up in the early part of the relationship because they take those those bad habits maybe that are there, or bad habits of not talking about how you feel, mm-hmm. bad habits about putting things before your spouse, whether it's mm-hmm. children or work, mm-hmm. bad habits of just not being honest and transparent. They take that to mean their spouse doesn't love them or their mm-hmm. spouse doesn't want this marriage when really you're learning each other. So mm-hmm. I just want to give that word of encouragement is just push past those first few years, you're learning each other. And you got to give a, little, a lot more grace when you're new to marriage. But if they can form good habits early, this is why premarital counseling is is a must. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to that place where it comes easy. Mm-hmm. Those habits set in, and it's easy to love your spouse. I mean, it, it becomes easy. Danella and I get along very well. It's easy right here. It mm-hmm. wasn't always easy because right. we had to learn right. those habits of how to love each other the right way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something you just said about giving each other grace just mm-hmm. reminds me. I went to this um, event called a human library, and one of the books, which is the people that we were talking to, uh, one of the ladies said uh, she was in an arranged marriage, and she had only met her spouse, I think, twice before they actually got married because married, it was about joining the families. That's what arranged marriages really are about. Mm-hmm. And so they decided that this was going to be best for their families to join. And um, she said, we give each other a lot of grace. And this mm-hmm. is not a woman who is a Christian. She just, is, you know, she's just talking about terms that are applicable to her marriage. And she's like, we give each other a lot of grace. We know that we don't know each other's quirks. We don't know a whole bunch about each other. So unless there's something that's blatant, like, um, uh, you know, infidelity or spousal abuse, you give each other a lot of grace. You just allow for a, I'm not going to know that she doesn't like the socks on the floor. I'm not going to know that she prefers, you know, the shower curtain in and not out or whatever it is. They just give each other a lot of room to grow together. And I think that's very different in our Western culture. Quite often, we feel like we've dated this person for two years. They should know me by now. (laughs) Why are they still, you know, doing this thing, you know? And it's like, no, the reality is oftentimes we get married in very formative years where we don't know ourselves is yet much less yeah. the other person and so we have to give each other a lot a lot of grace yeah that, that's good and and those those things like we didn't we didn't like classify them we didn't stamp them as trade secrets but though for those of you who are listening th- those are mm-hmm. that is something that you may need to go rewind mm-hmm. and write down yeah. right mm-hmm. you have to be mindful of the fact that you're growing 
Yes. And as a result, continue to just hang in there and push past those times of uh, insecurity and push past those times of uncertainty and just go through the growing process. Right. right. And as you're doing that and throughout the rest of your uh, time together, extend grace. Mm -hmm. Yes. Consistently and constantly throughout your relationship. Those are some phenomenal trade secrets. So you need to make sure those of you who are listening to um, uh, put those in place, put, tuck those away and bring them out as needed. Those that's good stuff. And there's so much that we could talk about and, you know, (laughs) I could keep you here forever. Right. But I'm going to try to, it's just me, right. I have to govern myself throughout this process. (laughs) As you're going through that, right. We're talking about extending grace. We're talking about, learning and pushing past things that may happen and that may occur. What do you see um, as outside of those things, right? Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that might, you might see that is a hindrance to that? Do you see couples that are maybe ignoring certain principles or certain things that seem to come up that people just don't want to do and it hinders that process? Yeah. So I will say um, probably pride. <laughs> that's a, that's a huge thing that gets in the way. Um, I think of healing, of restoration of relationships. Um, you know, Francis Chan and his wife, oh goodness, I can't remember her name, um, but they wrote a book together. So often I've read several of his books and then I saw a book that he and his wife wrote together and he's a, a pastor. And uh, so she's a pastor's wife. And she was saying that out of all the couples that they've seen, there is a common thread as far as the couples that make it and the couples that do not. And I often hear a sigh that goes across the audience when I mention this, but um, she said the number one difference between a couple that makes it and a couple that does not is the humility of the wife. And I know the women always sigh when they hear that. But the reality is, and I think that has to do with how we raise men in our society, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, just the whole macho, the idea of being tough and whatnot and having this, you know, tough persona. And I, so I think that has to do with it. But the humility of the wife, mm-hmm. making up your mind that even if I am right, it's not about being right. It's about this relationship. And so it's like, you know, I have to ask myself sometimes, would I rather be right or would I rather be right? Like, do I want to do what is the right thing for our relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the humility that is needed in relationships, and that doesn't absolve husbands from having humility. I think that, you know, when we talk about being first and being the head, I think that that includes being like first to forgive and first to offer forgiveness and first to apologize. I believe in those things, but I believe that it takes so much humility on both people's parts that if it has to be one person, why can't you be the one person? Right. Why can't you be the person who starts the ball rolling from a humble aspect? And so humility is very key because the reality is I don't want to forgive you and be bothered with your, you know, whatever it is, your apology. If I'm not being humble, if I'm not taking myself off of this pedestal where I think that I'm above doing X, Y or Z. Right. I have to allow myself to recognize that, listen, we are going to make mistakes. And not only are you making a mistake in this situation, but the reality is I will probably at some point in the decades that we'll be married, make mistakes. Even if I feel like, Hey, I'm right in this situation. Right. Um, and so, and the reality is you're usually not right. (laughs) It it takes two to tango. That is not just a phrase. It takes two people in relationship. There's almost never just one person doing right. All right. All the time. And so recognizing that, Hey, I play, a role in this and um and having that humility is very key that's good that's good so in light of that right talk talk to the wives d just for a second and try to wrap this it, it there's a lot to it right but just mm-hmm. if you to wrap it into a trade secret something that um the wives that are listening now could begin to do right after hearing this to start walking towards that humility Yeah. Um, So for me, I'll give a personal example. For me personally, um, it has taken some accountability. So you have to let someone in. And I know we talk about, you know, not letting others into your marriage or maybe not talking about your marital business, right, with other people, especially those who are not married. But um, I'll tell you, at one point uh, in our marriage, I had a prayer partner who, um, you know, if I was upset with my husband, 
at our prayer day, I would let her know like, Hey, we're at odds with each other and I need prayer for X, Y, and Z. Well, that builds in accountability. I know Mm. that the next time I speak to her, she's going to ask me because she's been praying about it. Mm -hmm. And so she has every right to ask me because she's getting down on her knees and spending time talking to God about Mm -hmm. what it is I brought to her. So if you can have a trusted Mm -hmm. person who can pray with you about things, they're not going to gossip. They're not going to tell your business. They're not going to, you're not going to be berating your spouse to this person. You're just going to be sharing, listen, I need to change my heart and my attitude about X, Y, and Z. And it's like, I'm not doing it on my own. So I need that accountability. And guess what? I know that she's going to be checking in with me. And so I know I'm not going to go back to her and be like, no girl, I still have an attitude with him. Like, no, <laughs> like, right. no you've been praying, but I still you know, every right. morning I wake right. up and I just kiss my teeth. Like I can't believe, right. right? No, it's like, I have to be accountable to what are the actions I am doing. It kind of goes back to, you know, what my husband was saying about good habits. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, this is where kind of the neuropsychology aspect plays into it, at least for me. Um, you know, sometimes your feelings, your emotions, your ability to relate to this person will follow good actions. And so mm-hmm. we talk about our emotions, you know, kind of driving our behaviors sometimes, but quite often, if you would change your behaviors, mm-hmm. you are setting an environment for good, for good emotions to grow mm-hmm. as well. Excellent. How about that? That's good. Wow. That's, um, that's good. Yeah. Change in behavior. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Is 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 paramount and it, it is um it's key in, in this process. Accountability person. Yep. Yes, accountability. That's good to have. Because a lot of us we try to fight through this thing on our own. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we just cause more chaos and problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We dig mm-hmm. a deeper hole without yeah. having mm-hmm. that accountability person in there. <laughs> so that that's good. I I wanna before before we kind of switch gears, Derek, in the beginning, you had said something that caught my attention to you were talking about how this process this learning process that happens in marriage is is different than when you're single and even different than when you're dating mm-hmm. there are some folks right who from time to time we have some single folks that listen as well just kind of talk about briefly what that transition process looks like from dating to marriage and some things that they should be mindful of as they right. as they cross into that that new right. dimension. Well, you know, it's different for <clears throat> a lot of people, but one thing that I would say for single folks to kind of understand what I mean by that is when you get married, you are now there's no hiding in marriage. Like you can try, mm-hmm. but what marriage does, marriage exposes the parts of you that need to grow. Mm-hmm. It exposes the parts of you that you've maybe never dealt with, right? That you've been yeah. running from for years as a single person. Yeah. When you're married, you can't just say, <clears throat> I don't want to talk about that. And that's it. You yeah. could, but you're not going to have a good marriage, mm-hmm. right? And so it, I think one of the things that people that are single have to understand is, you're of uh, the amount that you comp- are able to compromise mm. and accommodate somebody else is going to be key. Now, when you're single, and this is what I mean by that. When you're single and you're dating someone and they've got all of these character flaws that you're starting to see, they're maybe a little more, they're controlling. Maybe they, they, um, they try to dictate wh- who you talk to and who you don't talk to. Mm. Um, some of these things that are red flags will come up for single people. Um, you know, when you're dating, it's like, okay, you know what? I don't, this is not something I need in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the type of person I think that I want to grow with into a marriage. You can cut that thing loose and be like, you know what? This is just not the right, right relationship for me. Mm-hmm. When you're married, you're in that thing with that person. Right. So guess right. what? Their character flaws, their issues. Now y'all got to work on that thing together. together. And I'm not yeah. saying that you can do the hard work your spouse has to do, but guess what? You got to pray with them. You have to support them. Maybe you have to give them extra grace. I heard a, a, a guy recently who went to a marriage conference, I think it was uh, Jimmy Evans, was talking about couples and how they can serve each other. And he said, sometimes the person that is struggling the most, they're the ones that you have to serve the most. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not what, when you're single, you can be there for that person, but there's a certain line. I'm not your wife. I'm not your husband. There's a certain line you draw, but when you're married, what they go through, you go through. Yeah. And that is much different than <clears throat> even if you're cohabitating. I've got some couples that I see that are married now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they were cohabitating before they were married. Mm-hmm. And they're like, things are just different. I mean, when we lived together, we didn't have these type of problems. And I said, that's because you upped the annual when you got married now. Yeah. All right. No matter whether you're a believer or not. Now, <clears throat> this is your husband. This is your wife. Yeah. Right. You're going to care a whole lot more what they say, what they do, where they go. Yeah. And so there has to be a mindset shift that shift that I, 
every decision I tell my husbands and my wives, every decision you make, you need to consider how it affects your spouse. Mm-hmm. And when you're dating, there's some things I can do that's not going to affect my girlfriend. Right. If I, right? If I want to spend my money on some golf clubs, I don't have to check in with my girlfriend first before I buy them. Exactly. Right? This is just practical stuff now. When you're married, every decision you make, yeah. really, you have to consider how is this going to affect my spouse. Yeah. You don't have to do that when you're single. Yeah. You know, that's so it, it, it's just a mind, sh- it's a shift. And sometimes people get married and that shift doesn't even take place for years Mercy. until they've been married a while. And I tell people, it's okay, you're still learning. You have to start, ta- you know, um, what are you going to sacrifice for your marriage? This is another thing. Mm. There's some friends you can't have when you're married. Wow. When you're single, you can kind of do that, right? You can yeah. kind of put a, a firewall between the two. Yeah. But when you're married, no, if my wife doesn't like a guy that I hang out with, I might have to consider telling that friend, hey, you know, it's, we, I don't know if we can still be friends. Yeah, we got to do something different. Right. That's very different from being single, right? So there's a lot of different things, but I think it's just a, a shift in how you think. That's good. good. I like that because we, we talk about that too. Just, you know, there is a, there are certain things, like you said, Derek, that you don't have to think about mm-hmm. when you're single that become very important to the success of your relationship. So that, mm-hmm. yeah. that's good. That's good. So you gave a red flag just now, Derek, when mm. single people are dating a red flag that they should not ignore. So D, do you have another one? Like for single couples that are dating, what is a red flag that they really should not ignore or look past? Um, I think the general way that the person treats others. And so mm-hmm. that's why it's so important not to just um, just go on individual dates or just go over to the person's house and that's it. Um, I want to see how you treat people in general, mm-hmm. right? I want to see like how you treat the waitress. I want to see how you treat people who, I mean, we're when we were dating, we were like walking through the park and there was, you know, an individual who was homeless who asked for money, right? And so I want to see what that interaction is like. Like I want to mm-hmm. see like how you interact with other people because the reality is right now you're putting forth your best foot. You're putting best to impress me, right? You're treating me very well. You're pursuing me. You're not pursuing this person in the park who might be homeless, right? Mm -hmm. You're not pursuing that waitress. You're you're pursuing me. So of course you're going to put your best foot forward for me, but I want to see how you treat other people, how you value people in general, because guess what? One day you're going to be mad at me. (laughs) You're not going to be pursuing me. I will already be your wife. Right. Right. And how do you value people in general? How do you treat people in general? So the way the person treats other people, if they are mean or rude or just unkind or ungodly to other people, like I want to know, like, are those are those things that I need to pay attention to? Because those, in my opinion, are red flags. How do you treat family? How do you value family? Like what what are your relationships with your family members right now? Right. And that's Mm. and listen, some people come out of chaotic families. And so that means they can't really connect with their family at this time wonderful but i need to know like how how willing are you to work through things how do you work through things do you yell do you throw things do you hit people right all of those things are important to consider and it's not like petty to wonder those things no it's really important to wonder those things so um lots of things can be red flags um but like it's like don't don't discount any of those things it's kind of like that phrase when someone shows you who they are believe them the first time yeah yeah believe them believe them and one thing one thing i'll say is you said that one thing that I see, <clears throat> and this is definitely a red flag. If you're in a relationship with somebody and they have a history, if, if first off, if they have a history of a lot of broken relationships and friendships, mm-hmm. if they are unable to maintain friends because every time something happens, they cut people off very quickly. Right. And it's always the other person. Person's it's problem. never them. It's mm-hmm. never that, you know, that it's always somebody else's fault. Um, and they just can't keep relationships. Let yeah. me tell you, mm-hmm. that doesn't just change, right? The only common denominator in all of their broken relationships, all their family, no one talks to them, all their friends, as soon as a friend does something they disagree with, you're done. We're lifelong friends, they just cut off. That mm-hmm. is a red flag, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because that means that person has a problem either with unforgiveness, that person does mm-hmm. not see their own issues, their own faults. And I see so many couples right now to where there are people that are married to spouses who have problems with forgiveness. And when we talk about who's their support network, I talk to every couple, what, who do you have around you that you can talk to that supports you? And whenever they say, oh, we don't have anybody, or one spouse says, I have no friends, I don't talk to any of my family, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the common denominator is you. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. That's that's a problem. That's so that is a definite red flag. If someone, I'm not saying this. Maybe someone's an introvert. That's different. This is a person who cannot keep relationships mm-hmm. right. because there's they're always at odds with somebody, and it's always the other person. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful of that. That's good. That's good. Very good. That that's a good one. Thank you for that because mm-hmm. that that's important because we do that right as human beings. We we tend to kind of put the onus on other individuals when, when we're in situations like that, that don't work out right. And don't necessarily look inside ourselves to be like, mm. what have I done to contribute to that? Or mm-hmm. what should I do differently um, going forward? So yeah. that is definitely something to, to, uh, to think about. We are going to, um, I hate making this transition because that means <laughs> that I can't talk to you guys anymore. <laughs> But before we do, um, there's there's a just a kind of a get to know you game that we want to play with you guys. But before we do that, you all are passionate about the restoration of marriages. Right. Yeah. And I just I just want to just kind of wrap this segment with each of you giving a specific trade secret. I'm going to I'm going to kind of switch it up. Normally, I would say, Derek, you give one for the men. But I'm going to ask you, Derek, to give one for the wives. Sure. And D one for the husbands. Um, specifically around, and we're, and we're talking to the couples now who are maybe on their last leg, so to speak, or the road they're going down is is opposite to what they had envisioned when they first walked down the aisle. But there's that thing in the back of their mind. They're like, man, if, if we could just get this thing turned around, maybe it will work. Mm. Talk to them about what could be a step they could take mm. that would at least point them in the direction towards restoration. Right. Okay. Well, for the, speaking to the ladies, I guess one of the things that, so one of the things I think helps is especially when people, uh, when couples are in a time of disconnection or a season where they're not getting along and they want help. A lot of times, at least with the feedback I get is they, they feel so disconnected. They don't know, how to even start finding each other again. Mm-hmm. And so I like to tell them, uh, let's start off with something simple that you can do immediately. Like you, when you leave my office, you can do it tonight, mm-hmm. right? So it can't be something like, oh, I, I want him to change his whole personality. or that's I, What is something you can do immediately? So for the wives, what I would tell you, a, a small step that you can take, and I see this sometimes, so one thing I notice is that when couples are at odds and the husband maybe isn't fulfilling his role as the head of the home or priest of the home or just protector, you know, for whatever reason, what I see a lot is the women, and they'll admit this to me, is that I stop, I, I have stopped doing those things that I know my husband enjoys. So mm-hmm. I don't cook anymore. I don't, I, I kind of just pour myself into the children a little bit more. So one practical thing I could tell women to do is husbands pay very close attention to whether they are appreciated. This is one thing I hear a lot from men. Uh, I feel like my wife doesn't appreciate what I do for the family, right? And so one thing I'll tell women, and this is what's really difficult, right? There's nothing easy about when you're disconnected or in a tough season. None of these things are easy, but it's something I think you have to do is uh, to be verbally uh, let your husband know what you appreciate that they do mm-hmm. and not just the big things. I'm talking about, let him know how much you appreciate him going to work. Wow. Let him know how much you appreciate him spending time with the kids when he comes home. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's hard. You could probably list 10 things he's not doing if you guys aren't in a good place, yeah. right. but if he's doing one or two good yeah. things verbally, uh, express that to him. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. wait for it to be consistent for five, six months. Tell him, hey, I really appreciate you, um, you know, washing the dishes with me tonight or putting the kids down for a bath or just whatever small things. Mm -hmm. Express gratitude, in other words, Mm -hmm. as much as you can about the small, routine, mundane things that he does. And what that says to your husband in the time of disconnection is she's noticing me. She She still pays attention. Yes, she sees me and she appreciates me. That's probably the biggest thing that men complain about, whether they're right or wrong, is that I don't feel appreciated by my my spouse. That she pays more attention to the kids than she Mm -hmm. does to me. And so I would say express gratitude for the small things that he does. That's something you can do immediately. But you got to push past pride. So that's why it's so difficult. 
Because when he ain't acting right, mm-hmm. it's real hard for me to give you kudos for taking the yeah. trash out. Are you exactly. kidding me? Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. no, but those, are the, those are the small things I promise you they make a difference. Yes. And it humbles mm-hmm. the wife when she has to do it. Let's know, okay, yes. he does do something right. He's not yeah. Satan. He does some things right. <laughs> That's good, man. Yeah. So, so ladies, uh, verbally show your mm-hmm. appreciation yes. um, for even the small things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. What about you, D? Um, so I think that most women enjoy being pursued, um, even if you're at odds. And that's one thing that I will commend my husband about. Um, he will he will watch me walk <laughs> past him and stop me. <laughs> he will, he literally grab my arm and say, ah, we're not about to be roommates in here. Right. Aww. And so he pursues me. And that is one characteristic um, that just uh definitively throughout our marriage reminds me of God's love, his pursuit of me. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, I think that most women do love being pursued though, because I, it stands out in my mind, a radio interview that I heard once um, where the wife was saying her and her husband were having a tough time. And, you know, she was possibly threatening, I guess, to leave him. And he said, I don't care if you leave me, you can pack all of your things in the car. When you turn the rear view mirror to adjust it, you will see me in my vehicle as well. <laughs> and so, and so, um, and I, I remember uh, Reverend Jenkins of the uh, Full Gospel Church there in uh, Florida. He said the same thing. He said his wife was mad one time and she was packing a bag. He said he opened his suitcase and started packing. He was like, where are we going? <laughs> and, so, and so honestly, if you can find it, and this takes humility as well, right? Especially, and it takes vulnerability, Mm-hmm. especially if you feel rejected by your spouse, right? Mm-hmm. It takes vulnerability to still pursue someone who feels like it seems like they're rejecting you. But if you're talking mm-hmm. about loving uh, your wife, like Christ loves the church, that's what it looks like. It looks mm-hmm. like being vulnerable enough to pursue this person. And uh, Shanti Feldhen, uh, her and her husband uh, wrote some books. And uh, one of the things they talk about is, uh, you know, how wives will be willing to wait, to put up with things, to, um, you know, even if there's some disconnect in the marriage, if you can just reassure her that, listen, we are good. Like we will be good. Like if I know, if I can have some hope that things will work out, right. That you might need some time apart right now. You might need some, uh, some time to like work through some things, but there is an end goal. There is some end date to that, right. Set an end date. So like, say to yourself, like, okay, I can't talk about this right now. It's, It's extremely frustrating, whatever it might be. Right. But let's get back together next week, even if it's a week, right? Mm-hmm. That's better than this whole, I don't know what's going on. You know, for a woman, it's like she doesn't know. It's There's this instability going mm-hmm. on. I don't know how things are going to turn out. But if you can reassure me that you are pursuing me, even if it's going to be a week from now that mm-hmm. we get back together, but there is an end goal of you pursuing me in mind, I think that that is very key. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So men... It. Stay in Most pursuit. Women love to be yes. pursued, Stay in pursuit. And something you said is key, right? Even when you feel like you're not being appreciated. Mm-hmm. Right. So there it takes some both of the things that you said, mm-hmm. um, Derek and D, take it takes some intentionality on our part. Oh, yeah. Right? It takes some unselfishness mm-hmm. on our part mm-hmm. and looking past our own needs at the moment. Right. Because things may not line up exactly the way we want them to so that we would feel good enough to verbally appreciate or good enough to pursue. Mm -hmm. But you still have to. Yeah. 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 And you say looking past our own needs, to be honest, like when we look at that Bible text that talks about the husband not having his body be his own, but it's the wife's and the wife not having having her body be her own. It's the husband's like when we're merging together as one. I'm not just looking past my own needs. I'm literally caring for him and his body because Mm -hmm. it's mine. It is my own. And so Mm -hmm. I am caring for myself still. Right. And so if we can view it as Mm -hmm. we are becoming one, I am caring for another portion of me. Right. Another portion of my body. Then it's like, okay, I'm not even having to move out of selfishness. I'm moving towards as a unit. How will this unit be whole in the future? And I'm caring for a portion of my body. Like I can't look at my hand and be like, look, you out there, you on your own right now. Right. Cause you're like, you're, you're, you have arthritis. And so you're getting on my nerves. Right. No, no, no. Like how do I care for this so that there's longevity in the future? And this is a part of me. My husband is a part of me. Man. That's good. That's very good. I think that's the mic drop moment. (laughs) Man, that is, that is great. Thank you so much for those. Um, Those of you who are listening, we always encourage you to go back you know, I, I'm not trying to brag, 
But none of these interviews have been just a listen once interview. Mm-hmm. Like you have to go back. You have to rewind. You have to stop, write some things down, keep going yeah. and, and really digest this stuff. Cause this is good stuff. We, we unfortunately pack it into a small amount of time, but there are some nuggets that if you write them down and pray over them and expand, allow them to be expanded. This is some good stuff. Yeah. This is some good stuff. So we appreciate um, you taking the time to share with us. We're going to turn the corner like all the way corner, (laughs) right? And just play a game with you called 60 Second Think Fast. We just want to get to know you a little bit, get the uh, guests to know you as well. So talk about that, babe. So it's called 60 Second Think Fast. I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. We'll alternate. I'll ask you, D, the first question. And then, Derek, I'll ask you the Mm -hmm. second question. With each question, I'm going to give you a choice of two answers, and you have to quickly pick an answer. For example, what's your which color do you like best, red or blue? And mm. those type of questions, just to get okay. to know you. Okay. You have 60 seconds within which to do it. Ollie sets the timer, so it'll put us under a little bit <laughs> no of pressure. pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. And so whenever you guys are ready, you ready? I'm ready. Are if you guys ready? We are ready. Yeah. All right, let's go. Okay, D, first question. See the movie or read the book? Ah, read the book first. De- Derek, summer or winter? Oh, summer, easy. D, morning person or night owl? Night owl. Derek, small town or big city? Ooh, small town. D, car or truck? A uh, truck. <laughs> Derek, gym or outdoor exercise? Ooh, gym. D, tropical island or ski resort? Tropical island. Mm-hmm. Derek, action movie or comedy? So action for sure. (laughs) (laughs) D, baseball or football? Football. Last one, Derek. Try a new dish or play it safe? Play it safe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you guys are good, man. You still had 13 seconds left. Oh, yeah, no, we know that stuff. Yeah, you rattled right through that, man. Good stuff. So, again, um, I can't say this enough. Thank you so much for just lending your time to us. You know, you guys have a lot going on. You guys are busy. We thank you for taking the time out to share these nuggets with us and our audience. We are so appreciative of it. And, and before we let you go, we just want to know how can we, how can we connect with you guys? Um, Whether it be social media or Mm. events that you may have coming up for those that live in your area and that kind of thing. Um, Just let us know how we can get a hold of you. Any books, anything that we need to be picking up, as an audience so that we can get more of this information. Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm Dr. D. Knight on all social media. So that's D-R-D-E-E-K-N-I-G-H-T. My husband hates social media. <laughs> that's a strong <laughs> word. Oh, and so he has like a couple of accounts that are just defunct. They just sit there. <laughs> and, so, and so if you need to connect with either of us on social media, I'm Dr. D. Knight on pretty much everything. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm Dr. D. Knight. And then also, if you want to send us an email, you can always do that people send us email uh, questions all the time. So it's uh, Dr. Knight, that's D R K N I G H T, at rpcevents.com. So that's if you want to send an email. But I also I respond at the, to social media, whether DMs, inbox messages, um, posts on my wall, what have you. Uh, so that's a good way to get in contact with us. We also wrote, we co wrote a book, uh, The Communication Devotional, which is just quick tips for quick change. So just like my husband was talking about, like really quick things that you can do that can make lasting changes in your relationship or at least get the ball rolling on relationship changes. Um, so that's for communication. And then I wrote a book. Uh, it's called The Book on Forgiveness. And that's also helpful, whether it's for couples or individuals, yeah. it can be helpful. And the, uh, the communication devotional is for married and single mm-hmm. uh, individuals. And so it's really helpful. So those are things that you guys can at least get it on the website. Um, they can, the they can look on the RPC events website. Yes, they can find it mm-hmm. and click. They'll find it on their under books. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So, so if you couldn't write that down fast enough, we'll make sure that that is in the notes so that you could um, go ahead and pick up those books. Mm -hmm. You can connect with Derek and D and continue to get that good information, come clients if need be. And um, let's, let's go ahead and connect with them and continue to support what they do and, and learn and grow from just if, if even you get a 10th, Mm-hmm. of what they share today, 
then you have a wealth of knowledge mm -hmm. um, that you can build on um, in the future. So thank you, Derek thank and you Dean. So we yes, pray God's you. blessing on everything that you touch, mm -hmm. um, yeah. on your union, your family, um, your business, your ministry, um, that it will continue to be a blessing to those that uh, come in contact with you and that mm -hmm. um, you will just see God use you to be that catalyst that allows couples to learn, grow, to experience restoration and re uh, reconciliation and that uh, that blessing will just ooze throughout um, the folks that you come in contact with. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the last thing yeah. I'm going to say, right, is um, and I hate to put you on the spot in front of the listeners, but I would like to do this again. <laughs> yeah. So you can't it. say no because it's going to make me look bad. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we would love to. It's a sure. wonderful time. Yeah. yeah thank definitely. you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. This has been another episode of Trade Secrets. Make sure you visit www.denali.org for more engaging content and for other ways to connect with Oliver and Denise. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. Until next time, God bless.